Hello everyone, Eugene Weaver here with yet another edition of Cinema Soft Underbelly, your one-stop shop for all things Christmas horror. Today, I am going to be talking about uh, one of my favorite movies of all time and several of the sequels that it spawned, and uh, this is going to be kind of my main Christmas episode. Uh, If I have a chance, I might touch base on a few other Christmas movies, the the leftovers, so to speak, Uh, but uh, we'll just see how it plays out because Christmas is a really busy time for everyone, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be getting around to another another podcast after this, but I wanted to make sure that I covered uh, this movie before Christmas, and that would be 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night, of course. Uh, and yesterday, obviously, I talked about the terrible remake, Silent Night, and so I want to focus primarily on, today I want to focus primarily on Silent Night, Deadly Night, and its sequel, Part 2, obviously, and if I have time, I'll talk briefly about Parts 3, 4, and 5, which are almost completely unrelated to the original and its sequel. So, I just watched this again last night. Uh, on Blu-ray for the first time. In the Blu-ray, there was a lot of talk about the Blu-ray being uh, just an upscale of the DVD, and while it didn't look great like something like Prom Night did, uh, it still looks uh, very good to my eyes, much better than the DVD, so I'm very glad to have the Blu-ray. Okay, so I'm going to read the back of the Blu-ray here, and then I'm going to get into the history of this movie. Silent Night, Deadly Night is the heartwarming story of little Billy Chapman, who was traumatized by his parents' Christmas Eve rape and murder, then brutalized by sadistic orphanage nuns. But when a grown-up Billy is forced to dress up as jolly old Saint Nick, he goes on a yuletide rampage to punish the naughty. Santa Claus is coming to town, and this time, he's got an axe. Robert Brian Wilson and Lene Quigley star in this jaw-dropping horror hit that a nation of angry mothers still cannot stop. Um, the Blu-ray does feature a brand new uh, audio commentary that I haven't listened to yet from uh, Michael Hickey, who is the writer of it, composer Perry Botkin, uh, and editor and second unit director Michael Spence, and uh, and he actually uh, directed quite a bit of the movie, from what I've uh, been told. Uh, Charles E. Sellier Jr., who passed away several years ago, uh, he gave... He gave Michael Spence quite a bit of directorial duties on several on certain scenes in the movie, and then also executive uh, producer Scott uh, Schneed. So there's also an audio interview with with the late Charles E. Sellier Jr. and then uh, poster still gallery all that good stuff. Um, so Silent Night, Deadly Night. I'm going to go into a little history about uh, my my life with this movie because that's exactly what this is. Is it's my life encapsulated in the last uh, not quite 30 years. Uh, This movie is closer to me and my life than any other movie. Uh, And that's even going farther than The Shining and movies that I watched, you know, back when I was younger that I've grown up with, like The Thing and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, This movie transcends all of those, even Evil Dead, uh, as being... One of the first uh, first horror movies I ever watched, uh, uh, The Shining was the first, but this was kind of the official first uh, non-epic type, I guess you could say, uh, non-Shining movie. 
and uh, I had basically I this this movie has literally been a part of my life since I was uh, ten years old. Uh, it came out in 1984. Uh, it came out uh, in November, and I remember even back then, and obviously way in the days before the internet. I remember way back then seeing the the iconic poster in uh, the local movie theater on the wall with Santa Claus's arm reaching out of a chimney holding an axe. Um, and I remember that. And then it vanished from theaters, and I was too young to realize what was going on. Well, there was all sorts of protests that went on due to this movie and when it was released. And because of that, uh, from angry parents, because it's... it's uh, you know, oh, it deals with a killer Santa Claus. Although there was other other movies that dealt with killer Santa Clauses before before this, which I've talked about all of them already, pretty much. Um, so there was huge protests. Siskel and Ebert annihilated the movie, it eviscerated the movie, and it vanished from theaters after only about a week, not even that. And uh, it's funny because uh, it opened the same weekend as A Nightmare on Elm Street did, and it actually briefly outgrossed Nightmare on Elm Street by one hundred sixty-one thousand um, dollars. However, uh, the uh, the studio, I believe it was uh, TriStar Entertainment, uh, pulled the movie from the theaters and dumped it. And Aquarius uh, releasing, I think, is what they were called. They later re-released it with the with all the fanfare that this movie had uh, had garnered and all the the publicity uh, because it's it's free publicity. I mean, for a horror movie, that is free publicity. And uh, especially Robert, uh, Ro- Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel with how they trashed it. And I watched the, uh, the review, and they're so wrong on so many levels. But they trashed it. And all that did was make this movie uh, gain even more notoriety. Well, after its brief theatrical run, and the movie had, it cost $750,000, and it grossed about $1.5 million. Um, it would have grossed way more had it actually stayed in theaters longer, uh, but it was pulled. But eventually, about a year or so later, it came out on VHS in big box edition from USA Entertainment, and I started to see this thing at the video store. Now, again, at this point, I'm 11 years old, and I'm not allowed to watch that stuff, but my friend, uh, his mom is a big horror fan, and so one night, I was able to spend the night at my friend's house, and we went out, and the first movie that I grabbed off the shelf was Silent Night, Deadly Night. And so uh, we watched the movie, and he had actually seen it. His mom took him to see it in the theater, of all things. Now, the theatrical version was heavily censored. Uh, it was it's At this point, it would have got a, a light R rating. The unrated version that has been on VHS, DVD, Laserdisc, and now Blu-ray... Uh, featuring the uncut stuff is a pretty hard R, in my opinion. It's pretty graphic, uh, not just with the violence, but with the sex and stuff in it, and the nudity, and even the the subject matter in general. Um, So uh, we got it, and I watched the movie when I was probably 12 years old, and literally, from that moment on, I have watched this movie at least one time a year, usually, uh, in the the early days, usually more so than that. it this movie has has been a part of my life since I was twelve years old and I'm forty years old now. So uh, it's not that the movie is the most phenomenal movie you'll ever see. It's not, but I grew up with it and it's it's truly a part of my life. Uh, the movie itself is a, a great example of how to do 
uh, an 80s slasher movie well. This was at the peak of the 80s slasher movie. This is the same year, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th Part 4. Um, there's some great stuff still coming out, and this was like the pinnacle, in my opinion, of this is my favorite slasher movie of all time, and it still holds up extremely well. Uh, I like the fact that the movie focuses on the the Santa Claus killer, Billy. It focuses on him and why he became who he became from young on up, uh, seeing his parents killed by a, a, a robber dressed up as a Santa Claus and then being abused by the mother superior in this orphanage and then kind of sort of being abused at the place that he works at and he's forced to dress up like a Santa Claus for the kids. And so it follows him, his whole story arc, through the whole thing. And I really liked that, that it, it never focused on the victims. It, it focused on him, and he was a very sympathetic villain in the movie. And he genuinely, like, they cast him perfectly. Um, Brian, uh, Brian Wilson, it, it's weird. I, I mean, it's he, like he's dropped all, almost off the face of the earth. I think that he, I, I think I read somewhere that he's kind of, he doesn't want any part of the movie anymore, and he's a born-again Christian, and he, he, that's his own, it's whatever, it's done. Um, but he was cast perfectly, because he doesn't look like a serial killer. Uh, but so often, a lot of times, serial killers don't look like what you'd expect them to look like. He was a, you know, a young, handsome, blonde-haired guy, and it, it went against type, and I thought that was brilliant. Uh, the music in the movie is so good. The music is... Uh, it encapsulates Christmas and the holiday season. It encapsulates that period of the 80s. And it's creepy. It's like it feels like a Christmas type themed score, but it's really, it's very, very, very effective. In fact, they just released a limited edition vinyl of the entire soundtrack and score of Sound That Deadly Night. So all the songs, and there's some cheesy songs, but they're great. And they're, they're, almost iconic at this point because they're kind of like bluegrassy country songs intermixed with really cool, creepy Christmas music. And then uh, it just, it works really well. So it that's available and I believe it's available for download as well. So eventually I am going to pick that up because uh, I collect all things Sound That Deadly Night. I have a, a shirt. Uh, I, I have my original VHS tape that I actually bought. Uh, I ordered it at a mall at a video store, the price was $20, and this is years later after, you know, I, whenever I would go over to my friend's house, I'd rent it, um, speaking of which, I'm, I'm going to rabbit trail here, but that's okay, uh, before we watched the VHS, he was like, now just be prepared, he's like, this isn't a very good movie, he's like, even though you're really excited to see this, he's like, it's not that gory or anything, well, he had only seen the theatrical version, and then we watched the uncut version, he's like, okay, well, that was a lot gorier than I remember, so, <laughs> so, Every time I would go over to his place, I would try to get them to rent the movie, and you know he, of course, was like, "Ah, come on, not again!" But uh, I, I, I couldn't get enough of this movie, so I finally was able to. My mom and dad and I would go to the uh, Monroe Mall in Dover, and there was a video store in there that uh, you could order movies if you'd want. Well, this movie finally, and I saved up money because there was a poster. Uh, this was in 1987. Part two was coming out. And on video, and so they they dropped the price of Silent Deadly Night on D, on VHS to twenty dollars. So, but you had to special order it. So I special ordered it one week, and in the this was everything was timed out perfectly. Um, we would go there almost every week, and I planned 
to get them to go there the next week. Well, they did. And sure enough, my movie was waiting for me. And at this point, it was now in a smaller box. It wasn't in the big USA box. It was live entertainment had bought the rights to it. And so it was easier to conceal. So gave them my 20 bucks, got the movie, and stuffed it down my pants, and I had the movie. And in the years that followed, I wore the VHS tape out. The VHS tape got confiscated by my mom at one point, and uh, I actually uh, snuck into where she was going. They were going to throw away uh, several of my VHS movies. This one included a couple Friday the Thirteenth, and I believe at that point, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. I had I also had bought uh, on VHS, and I actually swapped out the VHS tapes with blank VHS tapes, and I went so far as to peel the stickers off and put them on the blank VHS tapes uh, because they weren't going to get rid of my, my Silent Night, Deadly Nights. And so uh, I didn't do that for all my movies, just Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2, and I still have those original VHS tapes that are pretty much wore out because I watched them so much. Uh, the most memorable uh, viewing of Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, and granted, last night's was fantastic because it was on Blu-ray, but one of the most memorable times was um, I was not able to get to a VCR because the power was off in the house and it was Christmas. This is years and years and years ago. And I'm like, I'm going to watch Silent Night, Silent Deadly Night tonight one way or another. Well, I, I decided, okay. Um, we had an old VHS camcorder, which I snuck up to the room and I popped in the VHS. I plugged in my really cheesy looking headphones and I looked into the tiny little one-inch viewfinder and watched Silent Night, Deadly Night in black and white through a VHS camcorder. Uh, battery had wore, I mean, I had like two batteries and it wore out and I had to pop the other one in. And uh, as silly as that may sound that I actually did that, it's one of the most memorable memories I have of watching a movie. Is I was that hard up to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night over Christmas one year uh, that I pulled that off. So... Um, again, I've watched this movie with uh, different people, but for the most part, I try to watch this movie by myself because it means so much to me. And uh, I've, you know, I've, I've had so many memories uh, of this movie, people I've dated, um, things I was going through in my life, fights with my parents, uh, jobs that I had. Uh, there's just so many different moments in my life that, uh, that, that, it just it's affected me so much. So I'm going to go on into a little bit of trivia here on the movie. Um, uh, so there's in an interview from the documentary Going to Pieces, which is a great documentary on the rise and fall of the slasher film from the 80s. Um, Mother Superior uh, Lillian Chauvin admitted it was a mistake to center the film's publicity campaign on Santa Claus and believed it would have generated far less controversy if the studio instead focused on Billy's psychological plight. Uh, also, in a story by People magazine from November 1984, Robert Brian Wilson, uh, who was Billy at age 18, said he felt so ashamed by the controversy he told his friends and family to avoid seeing the film. Um, ah, it sucks. Uh, the release of this movie was picketed by angry parents who were not happy to see Santa Claus depicted as an act murderer, despite the fact that Tales from the Crypt from 1972 had done the exact same thing 12 years earlier, and Christmas Evil, which I just talked about, from 1980 had done the same thing in 1980. As a result, box office sales plummeted and the film was shelved for another year, uh, where it saw a new light in an uncut video form. And it's, uh, so, anyway, um... 
So all the film's TV ads were immediately pulled off the networks because of the trailer showing Santa Claus carrying an axe, which practically depicted him as a mass murderer. The motivated parents uh, to protest the film, and in, this motivated parents to protest the film, and instantly had it yanked out of theaters after making a profit with its limited release. This is what sucks about censorship. Um, these idiotic parents never watched the movie, so they di- they didn't see the movie. Um, and that's what bothers me about censorship, and that's what bothers me about people that boycott movies and raise a stink about movies. You know, Noah is another one that comes to mind. It's like, you, you didn't see the movie, so if you didn't see the movie, shut up. I don't want to hear your opinion. You have no opinion because you didn't see it. Um, that goes for Passion of the Cru- uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. Any, any controversial movie, if you haven't seen it, you don't have opinion on it, so shut your mouth. Um, I hate that crap. So anyway... Um, uh, going on, um, film was originally called Sleigh Ride through its production, and then TriStar decided to change the title to Silent Night, Deadly Night at the last minute, which is brilliant. I love the title Silent Night, Deadly Night. It works great. Um, uh, film was planned to be a limited release, but opened wider by Christmas, but the protest canned the idea and was pulled. It was, so it was on for two weeks. Um, and then, like I said earlier, many of the kill scenes were directed uh, by editor Michael Spence due to Ch- uh, director Charles E. Sellier Jr. being uncomfortable with handling the gore-heavy parts of the film, as well as some of the more action-heavy parts. So uh, uh, Michael Spence did the uh, the, t- the teenager's sleigh riding where there's the beheading. He did the... Uh, the kills inside the toy store, mm-hmm. the Santa Claus chopping off the snowman's head outside of the uh, orphanage, and a couple other scenes like that. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, uh, it's funny that um, that this movie is so good, uh, yet it hasn't been uh, remade, because Silent Night is not a remake of this movie. There is nothing in common with it at all. And it's so ripe for a really good remake um, I love that 80s feel, but I think that this could be done so well in a proper remake uh, with with that cool Christmas music and um, that whole storyline of following the killer. I think it's brilliant, and it works so, so, so well. It works so well in this movie, and that's what just, it sets it apart. And I, I think that it's... Um, it's classic. It is, to me, this is a timeless classic that I'll probably watch uh, up until I die. I mean, as weird as that sounds... Um, I, I'm going to watch this movie for, for the rest of my life. Um, so, and it's funny that, that they, that the parents raised such a stink about a killer Santa Claus when actually in the movie, uh, what they should have been concerned about was the mistreatment of children at a uh, Catholic orphanage because the nun, the mother superior was terrible and abusive. And it's like, why not focus on that? Well, I know why they haven't seen the movie. So, uh, anyway, uh, again, I've seen the movie so many times. I'm looking forward to actually, I, I will almost never listen to audio commentaries, but I plan on listening to the audio commentary on this movie. I would like to hear any and all inside information on it. The movie was shot in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, honestly, I, I would love to, I would be willing to go out there just to see the, the areas where this movie was shot in. Uh, it means that much to me, this movie. Um the grandpa in the movie in the beginning is there's just so many great moments in the movie. The grandpa is creepy that uh, that Billy and his mom and dad visit in the beginning of the movie, and it just sets the tone of the movie that it's just odd uh, that you know, this creepy grandpa is giving a stern warning to his grandson about that Santa Claus is you know it's scary and you better run for your life. And uh, then of course you know this bank robber guy uh, kills his parents. 
So it's just one traumatic uh, event after the next, after the next, after the next, and it's uh, it's great. Um, <clears throat> uh, trying to think of of other <clears throat> tidbits on Silent Night Deadly Night because there's so many. Uh, I I watch through the end credits because I love that end song. It's just it's almost funny. The almost cheesy cliffhanger of Silent Night Deadly Night works again. It works perfectly for this movie because it sets up uh, part two, and it's just the typical awesome ending for an 80s slasher movie. <clears throat> so you have to watch it. I'm not going to spoil it. But the deer antler scene, the sleigh, red, the, the sleigh ride scene, um, and the murders in the toy store are all classic 80s slasher fun. So do yourself a favor and watch the movie. You can get the DVD for relatively cheap and the Blu-ray for a little over 10 bucks. And uh, I say go for it. You may not, you're not going to like it as much as I did, more than likely, because this movie is, um, it's such a part of my life. Uh, but I think that if you're a fan of the '80s and a fan of uh, holiday, different types of holiday movies, you might give, you might enjoy this one. It's it's different than your typical Friday the Thirteenth type movie. So, uh, anyway, <clears throat> there is Silent Night, Daily Night. Now, I'm going to touch on part two briefly, because uh, part two is just hilarious. And that's not in a good way. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 came out in 1987, and it focuses on uh, Billy's younger brother, Ricky, who was also in the car when his parents were killed, and then he goes to the orphanage as well and is tormented by Mother Superior. He follows the family tradition of Christmas carnage. Uh, Psycho Santa's back, deck the halls with chunks of bodies. Is the back of the DVD. Yeah. So uh, Lee Harry directed the movie, and, um, oh, this is an interesting movie. Wow. Uh, half of this movie, the budget was $250,000, and half of this movie was scenes from part one because the whole movie is, uh, the whole movie is Ricky in a psych ward talking to a, a, a shrink to have him possibly, you know, save death row, be on, save being on death row, and so about 40, 45 minutes of the movie are Ricky... It relating to relaying to this guy what happened in part one. That's I mean literally what uh, what they do. And and uh, Eric Freeman is the actor in Silent Night Part Two, and he is hilarious. He overacts so bad, and it's great. I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, it's just funny how over the top this guy is. His eyebrows. He can't quit moving his eyebrows up and down to be evil when he talks. And I'm looking here on this on the uh, trivia, and he moves his eyebrows up and down 130 times in an 88-minute movie. And keep in mind, that's 45 minutes almost worth of Silent Night, Deadly Night original footage. So it's like, what? Um, <clears throat> producers wanted Lee Harry to recut the first film and insert one or two new scenes with Eric Freeman playing a mental patient to make the story in the original movie, in the original film, appear to be nothing more than the ravings of an insane in, as, asylum inmate. Sorry about that. But screenwriters Lee Harry, Joseph Earl, and Dennis Patterson and Lawrence Applebaum wrote short vignettes involving the patient's youth as he killed several people and eventually it became this sequel. There wasn't enough material for a full-length film, so numerous flashback sequences were added. The film still ran short, so about 10 minutes of closing credits were added, showing the full cast and crew of this film and its predecessor. 
uh, because you know the movie is half Silent Night, Deadly Night. So it's just such a bizarre movie. It did play in some drive-ins. I actually remember seeing the advertisement uh, in newspapers back in 1987 because anything Silent Night, Deadly Night, I followed, and I remember seeing it advertised uh, in in newspapers that it was going to be playing in drive-ins. So. Um, Live Entertainment wanted Charles Sellier to direct, but he, of course, declined. Um, so, uh, anyway, it's it's just an oddball movie. I will say that Mother Superior gets what's coming to her in this one, which is cool. Uh, and it's for, for laughs, it works wonderfully. This movie is a cult classic, and there are a lot of people that enjoy watching this movie. And the fact that, you know, there's such quotable lines in it, Garbage Day and... Um, to to name just a, just one, it's trust me. There are so many uh, cheesy lines in the movie, and uh, yeah, it's a good time. I don't watch it that much uh, because there's so much of part one in it that I don't want it to spoil what I enjoy about part one. So, selling that till the night part two. Okay, part three. I'm gonna brush on the last three briefly. Monte Hellman directed part three called Better Watch Out. Uh, Ricky Caldwell from Part 2 is in this, but he's a uh, comatose victim, reanimated somehow, psychically connected with this girl, uh, and he goes after her because they're connected somehow, and it's not good at all. Uh, Bill Mosley is in this as Ricky. That was kind of cool. Um, pretty much nothing else in the movie was cool, though. It was boring. Uh, almost no gore. Slow paced, uh, it man, it just did not work at all. Uh, so I barely consider this to be even a sequel to the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, and its and its sequel, uh, Part Two. Uh, but you know, it is, it's in there, so you know, uh, it's something, I guess. Um, okay, then we go to Part Four, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part Four, Initiation is what it was called. This came out in 1990. And it was directed by Brian Usna, and Brian Usna actually has made some good stuff. He did Bride of Reanimator, Beyond Reanimator, Necronomicon, Book of the Dead. Um, uh, he's done a lot of good movies, actually. Um, Progeny was good, Dentist Part 2, uh, and The Dentist, even. Return of the Living Dead Part 3, uh, Society. So he actually has some good movies. This one here, I'm not sure what he was thinking, though. Clint Howard is one of the main stars, if that tells you anything. Uh, but uh, a reporter investigating a, a bizarre death of a woman who leapt from a building in flames finds herself mixed up in a cult of witches who are making her part of their sacrificial ceremony during the Christmas season. The best thing I can say about this movie is Screaming Mad George's uh, practical effects are in it, and there's some slimy, gross things in it. But it's it's so... I mean, I, I while I like this more than, uh, than that terrible Silent Night remake from a couple years ago. It's still, it's nothing like the originals, and I, I guess Brian Usna was trying to do something totally different and, and set it completely apart from the other slasher movies. Uh, unfortunately, it did not work at all. I thought the storyline was silly, and uh, it didn't even feel like a Christmas movie, and Silent Night, Deadly Night are the Christmas movies, so um, there was no killer Santa Claus in the movie, and... Uh, Anyway, it it I, I it's barely watchable. Even if it wouldn't be, even if it wouldn't be for the fact that it they, they tagged that as Silent Night Deadly Night, if it would be nothing like have not have, don't not have that name, it still wouldn't be good. Uh, it still is just it's 
Nah, it's whatever. So then we go to Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5, The Toy Maker from 1991. I mean, these are just popped out one after the other. Uh, Brian Yuzna did actually uh, help write the movie. Martin uh, Kitrosser, I guess is how you pronounce his name, directed this thing. Uh, Old Toy Maker and his son make killer toys designed to kill their owners and kids. Um, Like the adults that buy them and then the kids. Most interesting interesting thing about this movie is Mickey Rooney is the toy maker in this movie of all people. Uh, Clint Howard is in the movie a little bit, so there's that I guess. Um, there's some okay gore in it, kind of, but again, it's just it's not a slasher movie. It's trying to be something that it's not, and it doesn't really work. Um, it's somehow better than the other ones that came before it, but uh, it was... Ugh. Interesting, though, Mickey Rooney wrote a letter of protest against the first Silent Night, Deadly Night in 84, stating that the scum who made it should be run out of town for having sullied the sacredness of Christmas. Yet, he's one of the main stars of Part 5. So, how's that for irony? Um, anyway, enough about the Parts 3, 4, and 5. They're whatever. And Part 2 is for myself because I, I like the... I like the cheesiness of it, it's good. But uh, if you're going to watch only one of them, you got to watch part one because it is a classic. And it is my favorite holiday movie, one of my favorite movies of all time, and the movie that is probably closest to my heart of any movie ever made. So uh, anyway, that's going to wrap it up for me today. I hope that you've enjoyed my Silent Night, Deadly Night episode. And um, I hope that you give the first one a chance. Uh, if, if for nothing else, just to see what why I like it so much. But you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions, comments, concerns, movies I should watch, movies I should avoid. And make sure that you tune in to Movie Freaks over on YouTube. We're going to be taping another Christmas episode here very soon. And then our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. They just released a new episode that I haven't listened to yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Hopefully I can get around to it uh, right after Christmas and uh, hear what they have to say. So that's going to do it for me today. I appreciate you listening. And if I don't talk to you... uh, Before, have a Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Thanks. Bye.